another edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name's Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us today. I've got you for the next hour or so till 9 o'clock as we talk all things Brewers baseball after tough loss today. Unfortunately, that's becoming a, a trend that the losses tend to be tough losses. Not that, not that losses are ever easy, but in the game of baseball, where essentially everybody wins 60, everybody loses 60, um, it's... Uh, there's some losses out there that are just kind of normal feeling losses, and the the Brewers unfortunately don't have a lot of the normal feeling ones. If that makes any sense, we'll get into that more as we go uh, through the program today. If you'd like to join the program, there's multiple ways to do so. You can call or text the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. You can also always tweet at me. If you would like, at Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio, is the best and really the only way on Twitter to be able to get a hold of me. So here's what we've got on the program today. Here in uh, like seven minutes, about 8.15, we are going to be joined by the Brewers Director of Amateur Scouting, Todd Johnson. He is in his uh, first season as the uh, Amateur Scouting Director. He had previously uh, served as the Assistant Director of Amateur Scouting, and basically, pretty much the buck stops with Todd Johnson when it comes to the draft and really putting together a draft board. And it's it's a collective team effort when the draft is actually going, but this is the guy really putting things together. And uh, the draft is right around the corner, and we'll talk with him coming up here uh, very soon and get his take on... Uh, on, on what what's going to look like and what the goals are this year for the Brewers, you know, one of the questions is, uh, do has their farm system, which is ranked one of the best in baseball, is it at a point now where you don't draft for need, you draft based off just pure talent, or is there certain positions that they need to uh, focus in on, or is a you know probably the answer to that question lies somewhere in between. So we'll get his take on that uh, coming up here in uh, just a few moments. Uh, during the course of the program here, some of the topics we're going to hit. We're going to revisit uh, the play today where uh, the ball gets lodged in the outfield. And let me just say this again, and if you're just now tuning in, I mentioned this too with Craig Matzik before, that play really has no impact on the game. Zero impact on the game. Because what the, if, if the ball would not have been, if they would have played that play out, Sames would have come home but Aguilar still would have been at second. He had completely stopped at second. Instead, you have Thames put back at third, but he ends up scoring on a base hit. You know, it, it's not a hit that would have scored Aguilar had that not happened because Aguilar was where he was going to be. So really, it doesn't have an impact on a game, but it does signal something. It signals how technology and replay is actually kind of changing the way the game is played, and that was something that the umpire said after the game today. That, you know, in the past, if you have a ground rule situation, the player closest to them puts their arms up in the air to say, hey, this ball is lodged, I can't play it, and they, uh, and they stop the play. Well, now, once the ball is lodged, the ball is lodged. So if the umpire sees it, he can stop the play. But even if he doesn't see it, you go back to replay, and if they see that it was lodged, uh, they can they can take everything back. So it it does have a bit of an impact in the way baseball is being played, uh, the replay system, and we saw another example of that today. 
Uh, we'll get into Jonathan VR at second base. He had a really good game yesterday. He was kind of back to what he's been most of the year today. And this, if you listen to Brewers Extra Innings very often, which is the post game show I host uh, after most Brewers games, you know the the narrative of yesterday's game. And I, I tried to stay as far away from it as possible. I wanted nothing to do with this one. Every once in a while, I'm right. Just on occasion, you know. Blind squirrel finds the nut. Every once in a while, I'm right. And 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 the thing with this is. We have seen Jonathan VR put together really good games this year. Maybe not to the extent of what he did yesterday, where he had a home run and a triple and uh, really solid defensive play at second base, but we've seen solid games for him. And us media types, we do the same thing every single time. Oh, this is the game that's going to jump him out of his slump. This is it. And I'm just, I'm not, I don't want to go down that path anymore. Let's just see. Let's just wait and find out. Uh, the Brewers still believe in Jonathan VR as being the guy that he was last year. When does he finally become that guy again? We just have to wait it out. And a, a single good game like he had yesterday isn't isn't going to do that. And you know, not to just to make Craig Council's lineup decisions a little bit more tough. Eric Sogard continues to kill it, and he is he is playing well beyond what he has done in his career. And let me just remind you of this because I think it's it's something I deal with all the time. I have people come up to me. I have people call the extra inning show, tweet me, whatever. People talk about oh, this young guy who's coming up and he's a, he's an up and comer is is a term we hear sometimes about Eric Sogard, and he's playing really well. I'm not taking a shot at him when I say this, but he's not an up and comer. He's been in Major League Baseball for I think six years worth of service time with the Oakland A's. I mean, this is not a guy that the Brewers drafted and developed through the system, and he's a prospect coming up. He is not a prospect. He is a veteran. He's been around for a while. And just because he wasn't in the Brewers organization, you know, and, and maybe folks out there aren't super familiar with him, doesn't mean anything. Anyways, we got a lot to get to over the program today. Taking you till 9 o'clock, we'll be joined by Todd Johnson, the director of amateur scouting for the Brewers. That's up next. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. The pitch, a swing and a high drive deep into right, and this game is tied. Thames goes into the bleachers in right above the Giants' bullpen. It's 2-2. Welcome back into Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name's Matt Pauley. You can uh, give us a call or you can text us if you'd like on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. The uh, start of the Major League Baseball draft just a few days away, and the guy who's really kind of uh, putting together the blueprint for what the Brewers uh, want to do is the uh, amateur scouting director for the crew. His name is uh, Todd Johnson. He joins us right now. Todd, thanks so much for taking some time. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, so where's uh, you know, just uh, what, uh, four days left until, uh, until the draft, a little bit less than that? Where, where are you guys at right now in terms of the, the final preparations and what you want to accomplish before uh, you make that first selection? Yeah, it's really a, a, a year-long process, and with some players it's even longer than that that we've known these guys. Um, where we are you know, today and you know, right now is you know, we've been in, in our meetings since Monday, and, you know, just working through all the players, trying to, you know, get all the information we can, uh, get it organized, put it together, and then put them in the right order on the board. So on Monday, you know, we're ready to go, and uh, we'll, get, we'll get three really good ones on Monday, and uh, hopefully a bunch more through the whole draft. 
you're in your first year as the director of amateur scouting, but you spent six seasons as the assistant director, so you obviously are very familiar with everything. But what's one or two things maybe that, uh, I don't know if caught you off guard is the right thing, right way to say it, but the things that you've gone through getting ready that are on your plate now that, uh, that you've really had to push through being the director as opposed to where you were at before? Yeah, it's really, um, you know, you see it in, in being next to that, person but when you're sitting in that chair it's it is it's completely different you're you know there's a lot of uh i don't want to i don't know if it's pressure or just there's a lot of things that you have to be done there's a lot of information to take in there's a lot of people's input into the process that you need to weigh and balance um there's a lot of reaching out and communicating with our area scouts with you know advisors with players just trying to understand that and then also you know, working with the staff we have together in the office and, and in the meetings to, you know, get all the information, organize it, and make sure that it's updated in a timely fashion as well. There's the narrative out there that it's the it's the analytical people who look at baseball one thing, it's the, the old school baseball guy that looks at things in another way. And I don't, I don't buy into that narrative. I think a lot of organizations are, are able to really mold both things in. But you've got a bit more of an analytics background. How do you, um, how, how do you make sure that you know, those scouts who have the great eye and things like that, uh, that, 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 that uh, those things don't get discounted? Yeah, absolutely. No, and that's a big part of the a big part of the process is to ensure that we keep all those things in balance. And and David's done a great job of stressing that and making sure that's a critical piece for what we're doing and and that it's a an area that we've grown. I mean, we've added scouts since David came on. Uh we've, you know, added area scouts this year, we added supervisors this year. Um so we've grown the scouting department both last year with Ray, we added added some and then you know, this year again, um, as I took over, we kind of shifted some some areas and, and added on. So we certainly kept that as a, a key focus. And on the amateur side, it's a huge piece because we don't have the same level of objective data, performance data on the amateur side that we do on the professional side. You mentioned Ray Montgomery, and you know, it's not like he's gone; he's still around. Do you uh, do you still lean on him at all? Oh, absolutely, every day. Um, certainly, I mean, he's got so much experience doing this. Um, you know, he started as an area, well, he started as a player, um, in a big leaguer and then, um, you know, as an area scout and then up through supervising. He was assistant scouting director for a while here and then, you know, his experience as a director is huge in his relationships as well because it is a big piece of it is relationships with both with other teams to, uh, you know, potentially get information as well as with advisors to try and, you know, gather, uh, that information, build relationships with those people, um, get to know those players and, so yeah, every day Ray and I talk. Uh, you know, during the year we talk. You know, all the time. And and right now he's in there. He's he's right right there with me and and working through this stuff. I know you want to hit on both the things I'm about to say, but when you when you evaluate a draft, is it is it more important to really kind of hit big on that first guy or those first few guys you draft, or is it more important to have a completely well-rounded draft where your late round picks are also guys that are uh, maturing through the system and and eventually contribute? Yeah, and, and like you said, it's it's obviously both. Um, as an organization here, um, you know, farther back, we've always done really, really well with the with the later round picks. I mean, you look back at our 2009 draft, and we had four guys, I think, go after the seventh round who all became regular-type contributors. So that's a huge piece. Um, but, you know, your best chance, your best opportunity to get impact talents that are going to 
typically be the guys that impact your your team um, in a you know hugely meaningful way is certainly at the front. So you know we focus a lot there, but we we certainly aren't taking uh, you know Tuesday or Wednesday off. We're, <laughs> we're we're looking to get big leaguers all the way through the draft. We're talking with the Brewers amateur scouting director Todd Johnson. You always have kind of an idea of at least you know some guys that probably will be available when you have that first pick, and so much attention is on that first pick. Uh, do you like the level of talent that you expect to be there in that nine spot this year? Yeah, we're certainly happy. I mean, it's a uh, it's going to be deep. I think we're you know we're pretty excited about our you know our first three picks certainly. Um, on the first day and then the, uh, the rest of the talent that we've looked at and, and evaluated to, to fill out the rest. But yeah, we're, we're really happy and comfortable with the group of guys that, that we think, you know, one of will be the ninth pick in the country and, and, and we think we'll have, you know, a number of those guys to kind of, um, select from and compare and contrast, uh, on Monday evening. The farm system is so absolutely stacked. Does that, does that liberate you at all in the sense that you, you know, there's there's so much talent at every single position, you can just go get the the best guy available, and you don't even have to worry about what position they play. In baseball, it's interesting because it's such a the players we draft are you know typically farther away; they're not immediate impactors on the on the big league team. So it, it's always dangerous to draft for need in baseball, anyways. So trying to to manage that and trying to fit that into the equation, I think it just leads you to make mistakes. So you're always really better off taking the best guy available, and that's always been the strategy we've used and will continue to be that the strategy this year. When you've got two guys that you know all the all the measurables kind of say that they're the exact same guy, and you're you're evaluating, you got to sit there and you have got to make that decision. What are the intrinsic things, the intangibles, that sort of thing that separate one player from another when physically they look alike. Yeah, and that's something that our area scouts do a great job of. They get to know these kids. They spend a lot of time with them. They get to know the families, you know, for the high school kids especially. Uh, they get to, you know, understand what makes them tick, what their aptitude is to develop new skills, you know, their work ethic, all of those pieces that go into that that are a hugely important part of it. And so, you know, that can at times be a separator, um, you know, and, and so those things definitely factor into the equation and we'll, we'll look at those things. And, you know, if the talent is similar and, you know, one guy is, it has a leg up in that area, maybe potentially based on what we've been able to figure out, then, you know, that, that guy might get the leg up on the other guy as far as who we end up taking. I'm going to throw something kind of different at you, and if you don't want to answer, that's that's fine. But uh, basketball is getting ready for their draft as well, and one of the most high-profile prospects is Lonzo Ball, who has a father in LeVar Ball that's all over the place. If there was a, a baseball version of Lonzo with the father situation, would that cause you to, uh, to think twice uh, drafting him because of the father situation? You know, it's something that you need to understand and manage and be aware of as you take that player. But, you know, with, I mean, Lonzo Ball or, you know, someone equivalent in, in baseball are, are so talented that I think that you just want to be going to it with your eyes open and knowing that this is a situation that you're going to have to, you know, have a plan for how you, how you manage that situation. And that's true of any, you know, off the field type situation that you might, you might have with your player, with the players you take. You know, and, and that's something we do a really good job of here as well is, you know, recognizing where, I'm not even saying issues, but just things that guys are going to need from a mental approach perspective and having plans in place for them when we draft them, when we acquire them, 
to help them develop in that area as well. Will you get any sleep on Monday or Tuesday night? Uh, Monday is always a long night. It's exciting. It's fun. You you know, we start at, well, I mean, we'll start early in the day, you know, with calls and uh, working through that. And then, you know, the first pick, I believe, is we'll pick around seven-something um, for our pick at nine. Um, you know, obviously, we'll watch all the way through. Uh, and then we'll be on the phone a lot that night as well, trying to set up how we're going to attack day two. So, you know, that's always a pretty long night. And then, you know, we come right back at it at noon on on Tuesday with uh, round three, which is obviously those are hugely important picks as well, as, as all of them are. So, you know, Tuesday you get done a little earlier, so you get a little more sleep maybe going into Wednesday, but Wednesday can be a grind. Um, you know, you're going through 30 picks on Wednesday, so that can get a, a little long. Are, are you all the guy on the phone? Is it David Stearns? I know there's probably a lot of you, but will you get the opportunity with some of these guys to say, hey, welcome to the Milwaukee Brewers? Yeah, usually um, I think that in the past, you know, Ray's made those calls. Um, they'll certainly, the area scout in the area uh, where they're from will we'll talk to them. David will, David will have an opportunity to talk to him. I think it, usually we've done it where it's more of, you know, everybody's in the room that uh, David and Ray or myself and, you know, this year Tim McElvain could potentially be in there, my, the assistant scouting director, um, you know, making that call as well as, you know, the area scout if, if um, they're, because they're, most of our area scouts are out in their areas at this point. How much fun is it, those, those phone calls? Oh, uh, those are great. Um, and it's awesome when, you know, the, the thing that that's really fun they come in to sign you know the the, t- the hiring guys like Corey Ray was here last year and you know that's really fun to get to meet them they're super excited you know they're pumped to put the jersey on you know Corey got to go take BP that with with the big league club which was impressive as well um, so you know that's that's a really fun day on you know draft day is great signing day I think is even more fun because at that point you know all the all the formalities are, are resolved, and we know they're they're good to go, and they're going to be heading out to wherever uh, wherever they're going within the minor league system to get going. I know you're one of the busiest guys in Milwaukee here over the next few days. Thank you for finding some time for us, and uh, best of luck as you move forward through the next few days, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Very good. There is uh, Todd Johnson. He is the amateur scouting director for the Brewers. As uh, the draft is underway on Monday, the Brewers' first pick is the number nine pick, which uh, you should get some high-level talent there, and uh, we'll see what they do. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We've got more Brewers Weekly in a moment on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continuing here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. If you want to join us, you can do so on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. You can also tweet at me if you would like, at Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. Interesting conversation with uh, Todd Johnson, the amateur scouting director, who was just uh, with us. And if you missed that conversation, we'll have it up on the Brewers Externings podcast page at some point in the relatively uh, near future. But uh, this is this is big for this team. This is absolutely big for this team as uh, they continue to try to uh, not just... I mean, look, the farm system's really good. But as we've seen with this team before, when this team has competed at the highest level... They've made some moves that have mortgaged the farm system to try to help at the big league level. Well, now if they're in a situation where maybe they're a player away from 
uh, from being a, from feeling like they're a World Series kind of team, and they need to trade away a prospect or two. As they continue to build up the farm system, you're not going to destroy the farm system by moving those guys around. And it all starts with the draft and being able to bring in as much talent as possible. David Stearns always talks about uh, acquiring as much high-level, cost-controlled talent as possible, and there's no better way to do just that than the amateur entry draft, and that is going to start coming up on Monday. So the Brewers lose earlier today, and it was just it was another another tough loss. They've had a bunch of them, another really tough loss. They they're able to tie it up in the ninth inning, scoring two runs, but they had the winning run on third with nobody out, and they don't get them home, and then they end up uh, giving up a uh, a four spot in the top of the tenth inning, and they lose nine five, and so far this team. Every time they have taken a punch, they have punched back out of that corner. And look, you give a lot of credit. You give a ton of credit to manager Craig Council for the team's ability to always bounce back. But at some point, we've talked about this a lot, at some point in time, it can't be a a situation where you're having to fight and punch back all the time. At some point you got to win those games consistently. And that's, that's, that's the next step for me. Without a doubt, the next step, those, this, this homestand is a great example. Those two Dodgers games and the game today, there's three games that the Brewers should have won, and they didn't. When, when do you start winning those games? And is the first process to go one and two over the course of three games like that, and then go two and one, and then being able to consistently win those kind of games, that's 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 the next step. That is the next step for this Brewers team. The Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line available four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Or you can always tweet at me at Matt Pauley Radio. This is Brewers Weekly. We're back with more in a moment on WTMJ. with Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for spending a portion of your Thursday evening with us. The Brewers are hitting the road as they will play in Arizona starting tomorrow night. Uh, They play a weekend series there, have a day off Monday, and then play at St. Louis uh, after that. If you want to join us, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. We got text in a little bit uh, asking the question, do you expect changes in the bullpen after a terrible homestand? Doug in Baraboo has given us a call, and I think he wants to go down the same path. Doug, you're on WTMJ. Well, thanks, Matt. Great show as always. Uh, you know, I woke up this morning and, we, and the team ERA was 3.99. I said, "Oh, great! This we're on the we're on the right road." And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the uh, average for all the teams this year for starting pitchers they go 5.65, and for uh, last year, and we're on record to go 5.63 for the, all the major leagues. I figured the Brewers are about 5.56, so starting pitchers is fine. The bullpen, as everybody knows, is struggling. So what? What are the? What are our options? I mean, you know, I, I think Craig has to uh, be a little more uh, creative with the, the hand he was dealt. Either bring in different guys at different times, or pull guys. You know, get into a Joe Madden or a Larusa type situation. You pitch the one guy and, and get out of here. Or David Stearns has to uh, 
give them uh, a little help from from wherever. Yeah, Doug. So a couple things. First off, I want to hit on your ERA deal because I know you love the sub four ERA. We and, and I, I appreciate your love for the sub four ERA. Can you guess right now, as we sit right now, how many teams in the National League have a sub four ERA? Uh, no. What is it? Two. Okay. The Dodgers and Arizona. Two teams in all of the National League that have a sub-4 ERA. Uh, the Brewers are at 4.05 after what happened uh, earlier oh, okay. today. So the Brewers have been in around the top third of pitching in terms of ERA most of the season, especially recently. So even if they got a little bit above four, they're still pitching pretty well when you compare them to what they're uh, doing across the rest of the league. So just wanted to throw, I've been waiting, I've been watching the team ERAs lately and I've been waiting for you to bring that back up. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, look, I don't, I don't think there is any, well, are there guys that they can find on the waiver wire like they did last year with Jan Mourinho's, like they kind of did this year with Oliver Drake? Uh, sure, I mean, is Ty- Tyler Cravey and Brent Suter are still down there. There's been talk about, you know, Wei Chung Wong is really pitching well. He's a lefty. Uh, he's not on the 40-man roster, but he can't keep putting up the numbers that he's putting up without at some point coming up to the big leagues. But uh, I'm so glad that the Tyler Thornburg trade came to an end this past week where they got one more piece. So you, you got Travis Shaw, you got some stud minor leaguers, because for me that is exhibit A of why the Brewers cannot go out and acquire high-level bullpen pitchers from another team because the cost is just so much. So you know, are there some tweaks that can be made? Is there some low-hanging fruit that maybe you can go grab? Are there some you know back end of the bullpen guys that maybe you can find that's a little bit better than the, the back end that you have right now? Yeah, that's all possible, but this team's not going to go out and get a, a high-level relief pitcher. There's just no way for them to do it. I know, and, and Greg had a, that great interview a couple weeks ago or whatever with uh, David Stearns, and that was the gist of the, of the subject as far as I was concerned. He's not going to go out and buy somebody. That's why I think we just we have, it's got to be somebody within. Uh, and like I say, Craig's got to be a little more uh, creative. You know, pull a guy after he gives up two hits when the game's 5-5 five, five, where you're down one run or I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I was, I'd like to sit on the bench for a game, maybe. But uh, we, uh, it's above our pay grade. Like I don't, I don't have an answer either. And I know folks come and they want to hear an answer from me, Doug. I don't have an answer for you. Appreciate the phone call four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's uh, let's jump over to Tom in Greenfield. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, you were uh, just saying a few minutes ago that uh, we're one player or one position or whatever that is from going uh, all the way or lighting this team up. Uh, who is the player or who is the t- uh, positioner? No, I think, uh, Tom, I, I think you misunderstood what I was saying. I think what the comment that I made was that if this organization ever gets to a point where they're one player away from maybe being a World Series caliber team, at that point uh, you, you maybe have to trade some prospects to get that one player, and the idea is that you have enough guys in the minor league system that you can afford to, to lose a prospect at some point in the future. I'm not talking about right now. Oh, no. I, I thought you were, because I was going to say, geez, we're, 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 you know, we're in first place, and uh, probably more uh, above some of the people's expectations, and all of a sudden you're, you know, you've, you've just said that, and I'm like, well, which, who is it that's going to ignite this team to push this team to have us uh, be in the, uh, you know, in a, in a 
when the yeah, yeah, look, I get the fact that they're in first place, and I appreciate the phone call, Tom. But they're they're not a player away right now from being a World Series team. If they were in the National League West right now, they would be in fourth place. If they were in the National League East, they would be in second place. But they'd be in second place by eight games. If they were in the American League West, they would be in second place by 10 games. If they were in the American League Central, they would be leading the American League Central. That division has not gone going. Talking about the Central Divisions this year, not very good. If they were in the American League East with their record, uh, they would essentially be tied for third place behind the Yankees and Red Sox and pretty much tied with the Orioles. So it's really cool they're a first-place team right now. I'm not taking anything away from them being a first-place team. But let's not get away from what their record is. They're three games above 500, and I, I, I think they. I don't think that is. I don't think that's misrepresentative of, of who they are. I've you you heard me say it in the winter time if you listen to the show and pay attention to, to some of the things I believe. I've thought all along that this is a team that can flirt with 500, that can be around 500, and you know what? Three games above 500 is around 500. They can finish out the year. Above 500, a few games above 500. That doesn't mean they're a division-winning team. It'd be great if it did. It'd be great if the Cubs never got going. If if nobody got going, if the Cardinals continue to uh, be bad the way they've been recently, like all that would be great. It would be awesome if the Brewers could win the National League Central by finishing out the year three games above 500. But I just don't think that's going to be the case. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We call it the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on hold, we'll get to you next. A quick break and more Brewers Weekly in a moment on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly rolling on here on WTMJ. have about 15 minutes left as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You don't have to call. You can text as well. The number, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. You can also tweet at me if you would like, at Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. Always enjoy the Twitter follows as well. would love for you to follow me, but you don't have to be following me for you to tweet at me. That would be kind of a, a jerk thing for me to do. So I appreciate the follows. You don't have to. Let's go back to the phones. Jim is in Milwaukee. Hey, Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello, Matt. I heard on the, uh, I believe it was on the pregame show on Sunday, that in the eighth and ninth inning, the Brewers have been outscored 66 to 30. That sounds about right, and it's pretty atrocious. This team has no closer. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. How do, uh,. Uh, I I would say the vast majority of those runs have scored in games where the closer is not in because you have a closer who has a 1.20 ERA, easily the best performing pitcher in the bullpen. Jim, you there? Yeah, those three games you talked about earlier, the two Dodger games and the game today, who, who, who failed in those games? Okay, so Corey Knable this year has two blown saves, and one of them was in that Dodgers game where he gave up one run in one inning. He saved the other one, and the numbers don't lie. The man has a 1.20 ERA. He has given up four runs this year in 30 innings. Jim, there's a lot of guys in that bullpen you can take aim at. 
and you can be totally right on. It's really tough for me to 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 get on a guy who's got a 1.20 ERA. Everybody, Mark Melanson today for the San Francisco Giants blows a save. I don't think they're talking in San Francisco that this guy needs to be taken out of that role. Part of the closer is you blow saves. It happens. Corey Knebel's a first-time closer in his first year as a closer, and he's he has a strikeout in every single appearance this year. He has the second longest streak in Major League Baseball history in the modern era since 1900 in terms of most consecutive games with a strikeout to start the season. Uh, Jim, there's a lot of arrows you can throw, but if you're looking at Corey Knable, I think you're looking the wrong way. So how many times have the Brewers grown a closer within the organization? I mean, there's been... I, I can't sit here and, and go back through the history, but I'll say this about Knable, because I was working in AAA when he first got there. I was at the Brewers AAA affiliate in Colorado Springs two years ago. He was always being groomed as a closer of the future when they traded for him, and I know I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to evade your question. I just... I don't know why it matters how many closers they've developed in the past when you have a completely new regime now trying to develop Knable into that. So what... Jim, what's your what is your beef with Knable? Well, like I said, my I, I it has to like I said it, it has to do with uh, giving up sixty six runs and only scoring thirty runs in the eighth and ninth inning. Okay, but Jim, that's not Corey Knable's fault. Corey Knable has given up four runs all year. He has a 1.20 ERA. He has one of the lowest ERAs for relief pitchers in all of baseball. So if you want to blame everybody else who's pitched in the 8th and ninth inning, if you want to look at Jacob Barnes, if you want to look at Jared Hughes and Oliver Drake and Carlos Torres, you know that's fine because those guys have had some really bad performances. Even in the games where Corey Knable has blown a save, uh, he, he's given up a run. And again, he's he's seventy percent in his first season as a uh, as a closer. I just I really think you're you're off base looking at uh, Knable as the as the problem here because those no you give those numbers the sixty six runs that have scored in the eighth and ninth innings, but then you want to put it all on Corey Knable when he's pitching to a one point two zero ERA. I don't think the numbers lie here. Appreciate the phone call, Jim, at 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. I think Jim was done. I wasn't trying to cut him off. I just, I can't, I can't get on board with that. And, uh, look, we're not, we're not run. Mariano Rivera. Mariano Rivera blew saves. Arguably the greatest closer in the history of Major League Baseball. Hall of Fame closers blew saves. And you've got Corey Knable in his first year as a closer, and he has a 1.20 ERA. This team has bullpen issues. They do. They do. The bullpen is not consistent. They have some good games, but they've got some not-so-good games. The one-day good, one-day not-good thing is not good, but it's not Corey Knable's fault. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We've got some more uh, phone calls on the other side, and we'll wrap up the program next on WTMJ. Starting to wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. Let's grab one more phone call before the day comes to an end. Matt's in Glendale. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Matt, you there? Matt going once. Matt going twice. 
Matt, I'm sorry to say, but today is not your day. All right. Uh, 414-799-1620. I started pressing buttons as I wasn't supposed to, and that uh, that bothered Ashton. Just going back to the closer thing for, for just a moment, I'm looking at all the full-time closers in all of Major League Baseball, and Greg Holland for Colorado is having a spectacular season. He has no blown saves, 21 saves, none blown. Uh, the Reds, Iglesias, 12 saves, no blown saves. Kenley Jansen of the Dodgers, uh, 10 saves overall. He has not blown a save. And you have uh, A.J. Ramos from the Marlins, who has nine saves, and he has not blown a save. Those are your four closers in all of baseball that don't have at least one blown save. So everybody else has at least one. And most of them, all but one, two, three, four, five, all but five have at least two. So let's not kill Corey Knebel as a first-time closer for having three blown saves this year. It's just, it's not, he has done a really good job. And the strikeouts, the ERA, I mean, this guy is absolutely in route to being a very good closer uh, for this team. The better, the better argument at this point is what to do about the rest of the bullpen because you have to find consistency. You know, Craig Council was very blunt and honest. I think maybe it was two nights ago, uh, the, game that the, the, the first game they lost to San Francisco. He was, uh, he was very clear that the idea that you could have a bullpen that you know guys one day are good and the next day not good, that that's, that's not acceptable. And he kind of called them out for it. And you start looking at the numbers. Jacob Barnes, who struggles today, he's got a 3.86 ERA. That's one of the better uh, performances from a, from a pitcher this year. But he doesn't get a single out today, and he gives up four runs on five hits. Oliver Drake has had his moments, but he has a 4.43 ERA. Naftali Feliz was good in save situations to get the season started. He was 8 of 9, but he was really struggling all the rest of the time. He's got a 5.19 ERA. Jared Hughes has a 4.37 ERA. Willie Peralta's ERA is close to 6. Rob Scahill is okay, 3.12. Carlos Torres is at 4.22. He's had some, some bad outings recently. Those numbers that I just gave you, do not lead to a team that's uh, putting together a good year out of the bullpen. All right, so that is just about it for the program today. Big thanks to Todd Johnson, the amateur uh, scouting director. If you missed the interview as we previewed uh, the Brewers draft, you can uh, listen to that interview at WTMJ.com. Just go to the WTMJ mobile podcast area and uh, scroll down to the Brewers Extra Innings podcast. That's a podcast that I do uh, every weekend, breaking on Monday, but we also put some of the interviews from this on here, and that interview is up and is up now. We will talk to you again uh, soon. We'll talk to you after tomorrow's uh, Brewers versus Diamondbacks game here on WTMJ.